Hey, welcome to another episode of Medium is the Message. With your hosts, myself, Patrick Keenan, and Alan Smith. We got coffee this morning. We're fired up. We're going to look at AI links, what's going on in the world, and uh, start shouting at each other and talk about the existential awesomeness of this moment in time that we live in. So come along for a ride. I think it's going to be fun. Cool. And I think one thing I wanted to talk about was just getting other people on and i think probably in future it might be cool to do like a panel format where we mm. bring like two people on and then we just like discuss some stuff um yeah so if anybody wants to join the podcast please reach out if you have some topic you want to get into we are more than happy open call all right cool so ideogram should i throw this up yeah throw, this is this is just hilarious i don't know like it from the perspective of is that the link that, that i shared oh it's doing login it wants you to log in um let me see if it send you another one um basically it can now mid-journey there we go look at that the medium is the message so ai can almost write now so like, you can see my prompt a computer screen on a robust face saying the medium is the message uh, in the style of a poster with typography, a typography poster. And uh, it almost worked. It's so close. It doesn't know what a U is. It's saying the medium is the message, which is cool too. I don't know what that means. But like, I just made this this morning, like in two seconds. And uh, this is the kind of like new, not the new mid journey, but people love it. You can scroll through a bunch of stuff on their homepage too. That's very cool. I mean, having the typography there is just like next level for sure. Yeah. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this on social media. Uh, people are going to be spewing out tons of quotes and like little little nuggets and things. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Lots of digital art. Lots of posters refined to their target audience of people who like chickens and Stranger Things. <laughs> stranger Wings. <laughs> That's, that's so great. It's pretty good. Look at those guys. <laughs> fried chicken. The, 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 the prompt here. Fried chickens with the clothes of characters from Stranger Things with the typography Stranger Wings written correctly based on the Netflix series Stranger Things. And it actually has the topography correct, right? With yeah. the sort of like old style, you know, 80s, you know, horror novel. Like, oh man, I'd love it. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Really questionable for uh, for typographers and people who have made their living on gradients, drop shadows, and uh, outer glows. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah, cool. Um, I shared, so this was just for fun, but most of the links that I have to talk about today are all about work. So I don't know if you want to share something that's non-work related first or want to jump into the work type stuff. I've just noticed how much AI is coming into everything. Yep. And I grabbed a few examples that I think are, are really interesting there. Well, I mean, it made a stick on this ideogram. I was browsing it before and I thought what was hilarious, like the behavior that's happening here is like people are using these signs to talk to the staff of ideogram like, you know there's people who are like it's it's crashing for me calm down it's free and then like you need more servers and there was one like you need a search button image <laughs> upload so it's like it's interesting that there's like a grammar of like how to talk to the app creator 
through the images that you're generating and like upvoting them. Like these are super upvoted. Oh, it's like feature requests almost. Like yeah. people are using the generated images as feature requests. With this style, they've kind of decided that a protester yeah. holding a poster <laughs> is the way to talk to the devs. I kind of love that. Oh my God, that's so great. Yeah, yeah I love it. The thing like the audience for these things, like, you know, the the product is, hey, generate this thing and use it somewhere else. But the notion that it is in itself, like this is the audience I want to communicate with is the people who are like on the trending tab. Um, it's pretty cool too. It's great. <laughs> yeah, there was one like, give us a paid plan. <laughs> yeah yeah um cool so uh so yeah the work stuff yeah it makes sense um let's get into it all right so the first first link that i shared um is the zoom companion have you seen it or used it uh yet seen uh, the news here first link here stop it's a youtube link oh it's a youtube link i see you got it So this is all the stuff that Zoom can do now. There's someone talking over this. But yeah, you've got... They're trying to sort of extend the workflow so that you can catch up on mixed missed chats. Uh, you, can, you can generate chat text for you, obviously pretty basic, you know, just generative text in a text box. Every text box is going to have generative text, right? So this is no different. Um, they're doing a bunch of summaries. So you can see, like, if you join a meeting late, it'll say, here's what's happened so far and give you like a mini summary of it. A real-time transcription, which is pretty cool to see that kind of coming up on the side at any point in time. Um, you can use, uh, obviously, like, they've got they're showing miro here you know as part of a whiteboard um and the different apps i think that's a miro one or maybe that's their own whiteboard app has been you know drastically improved um and added ai stuff what i think is interesting about this is that how many people use zoom every day and it's just that trickle up like people who didn't care about this stuff and weren't doing it before now get a little bit more access. Like it's just, you, you're not gonna be able to escape it. You're not going to use an AI app anymore. It's coming to the apps that you're already using, even if you're really far from tech. Like if you're just use a computer screen and work with people remotely, sometimes you use Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, this is this is mainstreaming now, right? Once, once it starts to get built into these huge apps that people use every day. Yeah, there's another, um piece to this which is like maybe i can forward to oops was this clouds i don't know i'm okay with youtube suggesting me clouds it's like the best suggestion i've got from youtube <laughs> you, you need to watch this video of clouds just, just chill out <laughs> um so yeah i think uh this so there's the ai piece here and uh it definitely feels like each company microsoft google apple amazon meta are introducing like the the appropriate um thinking about what like what is the appropriate type of ai or way to integrate it mm -hmm. and uh yeah helping you be productive makes sense uh there's a couple things to like talk here about one is like zoom came in in the pandemic was a video uh conference and added a bunch of video features 
and you know you can have really big calls the quality is better um you know will help you with your connection it's like a downloaded app so it's more reliable it doesn't crash and so from that video app they've added to their suite so now they have like phone contacts calendar mail and this is like an unproven strategy like most enterprises are on microsoft um some amount are on like google uh but for people to switch their full stack uh to zoom is their play here and then the question is well why do you switch to zoom they have the video piece which they wrote a trend of like remote connectivity and now they're writing a trend of ai and it's interesting to th to think about like what is your in like what's your in for adoption mm -hmm. for them it was video how do you build your suite but then there's somebody else who's in is probably some level of AI. I don't know whether that's the ideogram or like what it is, ChatGPT, but their in is going to be AI and then they can easily expand to video conferencing. And I think there is like a question like just competitively or like market dynamics is like what's easier to replicate? Is it easier to yeah. pull AI off the shelf and replicate that? Or is it easier to pull video conferencing off the shelf and replicate that? Um, but that network effect of like, how do you get that first download um, for Zoom, it was the pandemic, and it, it should be interesting to see how AI uh, companies try to expand their suite. And that'll happen in like maybe three years from now. Like it won't happen right now. There's yeah, it's really interesting to think of. Okay, we've got this workflow right where they were limited to, and you know, some product strategists at Zoom is thinking, okay, well, how are we going to get more users? Well, we pretty much got everybody doing video calls already. The only way we're going to get more wallet share from people is, you know, by expanding the workflow that we can offer, sort of extending on either end. And if it's already a fragmented experience, can you kind of unify that for people a little bit? You know, that seems like it's the play. Um, yeah, unproven strategy. It, it, if you're using the switching cost of like switching your email platform is so high, so it's really got to be net new. Like they've got to be starting with like young businesses. Um, people who are really unhappy on like Zoho or something like just, you know, IT managers who are more willing to switch. But most of these are so entrenched. Like once you start, it's there for the lifetime of the company, right? Yeah. It's like building a house. It's, it's, you don't move it from the foundation. Yeah. And that decision isn't made in like a year. It's made over like a period of years. Um, but Zoom has been really good at integration. So like, I remember their first yeah. thing was integrating with Google Calendar and they like replaced the calendar button to join the meeting with the Zoom to the point where Google had to change their UI so that the join Google Meet was as big as the Zoom button. And so like this notion that you integrate deeply with your um, sister products and then subsume them, like, cause I, like I'm sure customer demand for Zoom is like, hey, I want a scheduling feature. Hey, it would be great if you could have my mail and I could create a Zoom with the people who just sent me an email. So these are like clearly like customer requested features, but then to integrate deeply with the competitors until you get that, um, then then you have the hub and spokes, so then you're the Google, or you're the Microsoft, and then you you don't want integration. So uh, definitely part of like the Zoom lifecycle to try to build out this suite um, and should be interesting to see how like the AI kicks it along um, as like a selling point for sure. All right. Next one, um, OpenAI for work. So this is, I don't know if you saw the news, but we've got OpenAI. Uh, I think they hit a billion dollars in revenue. So and there was five times 
higher than what they expected so far this year. And, you know, we're in Q3 of 2023 uh, right now, which is pretty wild. Um, so adding uh, this sort of like enterprise tier, this is essentially saying, okay, we're just going to add ChatGPT to all of your, your stuff, right? So, you know, your data, essentially, uh, put a bubble around it. Now you can use ChatGPT with your stuff. Um, everyone knew this was coming. It was sort of like a matter of time. I think this is, I don't know if it was released like two weeks ago, a week ago, um, but it's fairly new. And uh, getting your own instance of it is essentially what's going on here. And I, I think we had talked about that a lot you know, previously of, oh, okay, you're going to be able to get your own instance of your own AI on your phone with your data. And of course, you know, this is it for your business uh, and your team, you know, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is probably the sticking point is um, there's a lot of companies with internal sensitive do documents and their solution previously was, well, send us all your information. We'll put it through our stuff and we'll give you an interface. Uh, and that's just not tenable. Uh, if you're yep. at a large organization or dealing with like health data or financial data. And so this is like, you know, Google does this now and Microsoft does this now, but it's on-premises. Hosting is the equivalent like on the web. Uh, but when you're crunching all this data, you want to make sure that it's not leaking out to like, now I can ask ChatGPT, like what was the revenue of, you know, Pfizer last quarter and, and it comes through in some way. So mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure it's very expensive for ChatGPT and a fundamentally different offering because their, their whole approach in the same way Google is about like getting all the links of the web and serving them to consumers. ChatGPT is about training all their data so that they can become more intelligent for people. And like doing that in an enterprise context that doesn't feed back into the core product is expensive for them because they have to put all this infrastructure into making it secure, like mm -hmm. dealing with these customers who are going to have way more specific requests. You're going to need engineers put on that to do integrations. And so it is like a different business for them, but they, I guess they can leverage their algorithms and it's, and it's worthwhile um, at the price they're charging. So definitely, it, I think people were like, when is this going to happen? Because it's going to happen. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what does this add to the bottom line for those businesses that integrate this? Like, yes. Are, yeah. And how does that compete with building these tools internally? Because we're at the stage where it's like, is open source going to win? Or is like, they're going to be one algorithm, like Google. Like, sure, you could make an open source link crawler, but you just won't hit the scale. It won't be worth it for you to build that versus just using Google. Um, right. What will that be for AI? Will it be more like the video conferencing tool? where now video conferencing is kind of integrated into every platform. I can just use WebRTC and build a client in a day, or will it be more like Google where it's like, there's no way I could build a, a usable search engine uh, in a day. And I wonder if on the open source front, you know, there's some applications where it would just make more sense to do open source, you know, like as we see in other spaces where, you know, the people who are, you know, kind of, building their own servers from the ground up and using, you know, some sort of like Linux, uh, you know, implementation where it just makes sense. Like for some reason, there's some series of factors that align that in that context, that makes sense. And I wonder how large, you know, that, you know, uh, sort of slice of the pie will be in terms of businesses. If we can go on anything based on those previous trends, it's going to be a small slice, right? Most businesses are going to use it 
kind of out of the box. They're going to use somebody else's, you know, cleaned up implementation of it just because of the time. Um, just get a specialist to do it for you, right? You know, it's, it takes so much time to build your own stuff. Just get it, get it off the shelf as much as you can, mm -hmm. uh, is, is my guess. Yeah, I mean, and there is a model of open source, like, for example, Red Hat or like Linux can be deployed and then you're paying for these services, right? So it's it's not that you can't make money on open source. It's just that um, if my core competency is one thing mm -hmm. and my competitors is a different thing, I want to force my competitors uh, to play against open source. So an example of this is like Google. Uh, does the search engine, right? And then Microsoft is like, we're going to do Bing so that because they're both advertisers. So they're both playing the ads business. So Microsoft's like, well, we're going to do advertising. Um, and then Google says, well, you know what? Your core business is Office. So we're going to introduce a bunch of free Office suite stuff, Google Docs, yeah. spreadsheets. Oh, fuck, Microsoft, fuck. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is, um, you know, your core business is let's say uh, AI and, and link, you know, with kind of knowledge basically. And mm -hmm. Microsoft's like, well, we're going to invest in ChatGPT and that's going to screw you guys. And then Meta comes along and says, <laughs> both of you guys are playing with the enterprise. You are invested heavily in making your enterprise tools expensive. We're going to open source Llama. We're going to open source this AI uh, code generator. And so like each uh, institution organization is poking at the other's competitive advantage and f trying to force that to become more of an open source um, library so it becomes commoditized but what you really care about is x y or z what you really care about is the web what you really care about in microsoft's case is the office what you really care about is the graph in um, meta's case mm. for apple it's what you really care about is the hardware and so right yeah so so it's like it's a yeah it's a, it's a fun game to see <laughs> it's like they're um, you're race to the bottom on a number of features that are just kind of like off to the side of what each one of them sees as, you know, their core thesis of this is the thing, right? And the beautiful yeah. thing for us is that the bottom means that there's high quality open source software, right? That's totally <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. cool. Nobody can make money on on these types of software. You're going to have to do value added services on top. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that, you know? Yeah, that works for me. That's it. it works. Um, all right, Team GPT. Oh yeah. So this there's there's a bunch of stuff like this. I don't even know if this one is legit or not, but it's essentially we were talking about this. I think on the very first. Oh yeah. Or you were thinking about building this. You wanted to build this product, it. right? I love that it exists. Yeah. And I think I remember saying like, just wait a little bit, man. Somebody's gonna build it. It's okay. <laughs> and so it was longer than I thought it would be, but here it is. So now you can essentially have a you know group group chat, uh, you know, and have have Team GPT going. I'm gonna start um, where it's like like a Google Doc, right? Like mm -hmm. you're essentially building working in GPT with a team. It's super cool. I love this idea um, to make it collaborative. It was, you know, again, your idea, you saw it coming, man. So hat tip to uh, Patrick Keenan for seeing the future and then uh, the team at Team GPT for putting it together. Ideas are cheap. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it's um, true. And execution is everything. So I want to see how they've done it because I do think that there's like still uh, a world for more social like this feels like very work oriented team oriented mm -hmm. i think that there's like a world for like a social group 
chatbot where you're trying to like arrange plans as an example or like oh yeah totally things to do or you know plan a birthday party and figure out gifts stuff like that but we'll see yeah I'm excited about this yeah plan a trip together right yes yeah, exactly uh yeah i love it that's um kind of a no-brainer application actually ideas are cheap right i was thinking of this as a product idea of we talked about this before too something that can help people get together with people that they would love to spend more time with and uh, creating, you know, essentially an agent that can enter the chat and help you figure out, you know, how you're going to get together um, and do a bunch of the heavy lifting. Cause you always have that person in your orbit who does all the heavy lifting. Right. And so, well, now we could all have that person um, in any group, even if it's, you know, you and me trying to get together and we don't have time and we're not the people who are good at planning it. It's like, Oh, well, let's just bring somebody in who, you know, can plan it for us. It's, you know, planner or planner GPT or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think we get it. It's, it's straightforward, but I, I love it even in the work context. I'm, I'd be excited to, to use it more. Yeah. And this is like, this is that zoom example of like during the pandemic zoom becomes big. It's like, well, this is like the team GPT and it's like, enough trendiness to be like oh I, we need a team gpt and it's like well we've introduced video calling like we've introduced calendaring and so you can see how if this is successful because you have the graph of your team like the, the yeah. other people on your team that it becomes easy to kick off other features now the question is can they integrate deeply like what i would be focused on with that like in the same way zoom put a giant join meeting button in the google calendar how can this be something that you add to your SMS chat, that you add to your existing Teams account? How can they do like deep integrations to to use the, to make the Team GPT the hub, mm -hmm. and the conversation source, but then they have links out to like, hey, send this to Chat GPT to like understand it more with this team. Um, just to describe the interface a little bit, we have sort of my team GPT. Uh, we have some different folders and different uh, projects. I guess there's like a shared folder. So you're essentially launching inside of each one of these, like it's using almost like a thousand folders thing. And then the individual chats are sitting inside of each one of those folders, right? right. So like if we started a chat, you know, there. And so what happens when you join this chat? Can you join the chat? Let's see. You have to make my account. Oh man, I'm getting like a Google 404 error for some reason. All right, we're not gonna be able to do it today. So it looks like they're using ChatGPT. I have to have like a professional account of ChatGPT in order to use yeah. Team GPT. This kind of thing feels like cool product idea, um, and they'll learn a lot from people who are willing to go through the flow. And it does feel like, at what point is this a feature of ChatGPT versus? A oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just a wrapper, you know. At the moment, yeah. I like the idea of essentially ChatGPT going from no, this is an individual. Um, you know, text document essentially on your computer to this is more like a Google shared doc that we can all work on. 
um, in each chat, right? Like that's the that's the jump. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next one, easel easel.ai. So this is kind of like OpenAI for work. Um, a little bit different. I th they're really focused on like search and making it easy to be able to find you know any of your stuff um, amongst various platforms. So you sort of plug in your different platforms like Slack, etc. Um, now you can essentially search all of your data, um, find files, find information that didn't exist, uh, all that kind of stuff, or find information that you're you know un unsure about. And then, of course, there's a component of, well, maybe you can make that available to customers, but also it's just, it's just making things a little bit more accessible, things you couldn't find with search. Um, it's just, well, let's just make that much, much easier. Uh, it's like Google answers for all of your stuff uh, inside of a business. Yeah, cool. The integration begins. Right? And so you're kind of adding, adding like an agent or an oracle who's just that person at the business. Again, sometimes it helps to just think of it as a character, right? So who is this in your business? This is the person who just knows all of the files. They know everything. It's just like that person who's been at the business forever and you always go to them to ask them, hey, where's that file? Or what's this policy? Or do we know about this thing? It's like, well, no, this is the person you go ask for that now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, notably, have you seen the new introduction of Chrome? No. 15. What's going on? So Chrome is 15 years old. Google's 25 years old. That's that's wild that Google's 25 years old. Crazy to think about, right? Um, here we go. Yeah, so they've done some redesign of the Chrome store, which looks really nice. I mean, it looks like kind of the Apple store. But uh, they also have an AI... Um, side panel. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, I don't know where that is. I saw a Zoom call yesterday. I was like, what's that? So the, the downside of being in Canada is that we don't get Google's AI. Because it's just not, because it's not in French or something. Do we have to, you got to like put a proxy on? Yeah. Just to be able to get it? I don't have a VPN, like the personal VPN. Um, I don't know where it is. Anyway, they have an AI sidebar. And so I just wonder again, like, is this a feature? Like, and th this is unknown. This is undetermined. It depends on their execution. But is this a feature of Chrome? Because their core thing is this plugin, which is an extension of Chrome mm. um, and an extension of Slack. Or is this, uh, is this a core product that you've, you know, like, and like you're saying, your product in this, in this world of agents is actually the persona or the agent personality behind these things. So it is interesting to think like, do I think about my products as applications or is there something that I see in all my applications that has a coherence to it? Like, like Alan Smith, like we chat on email, we chat on meet uh, messages, but uh, you are a person and those apps are the ways that you communicate with me. Right. And so in the same way, like, is the is this easel kind of like a transcendent uh, product experience that is independent of the these apps? Or do I just come to the everything app, which is like Google um, 
or Chrome uh, to get this kind of stuff done. Because I don't think about Chrome um, as a persona, you know. No, it feels more like um, it, it feels more like an office or like a room or like a like a tool, something you pick up um, as opposed to somebody you'd go to for something, right? It's like a like a window. Uh, well, quite literally, a window on your uh, app on, on your computer screen. Um, okay, so next one. So apart from being able to search all of your stuff, I think, so check out this one. It's called Augment. Uh, so this is augment.co. Oh, sorry, I messed up the link. Just, yeah, there you go. So this is, this, this feels like more of a concept, like not an actual product uh, at this point. the same again. Get your time back Big, with your personal AI assistant that works everywhere. Huge, you huge promise, right? And then a request an invite. <laughs> you know, not a lot <laughs> and so there's a lot of these products and pages, which I love, you know, that people are, you know, sort of testing these ideas and, and trying to figure out what's coming next. Um, even the video doesn't tell you anything. It's just, this is, they just put some people in a studio and talked about what they would love in terms of a product. Um, and then, so the idea here is that essentially you put these two little hashtags anywhere where you have a text box on your computer and then generative AI space for that, potentially with context of your, you know, unique communication style, information that's, you know, on your computer and your database already. Um, I don't know if it's integration into all those apps or if it's more of a system level thing that just allows you to drop content into it. So, you know, like anytime there's a text box, there's going to be AI for it. And then is there some sort of um, unified thing for that where it's not like, well, am I getting my AI from the app where all this data is? Or am I getting and specific to the use case of this app? Or am I getting my AI from something, you know, more systematic uh, overall? That's kind of like the interesting question here uh, when I look at this of like, does this make more, which one makes more sense? And in which case, what's going to win here, you know? Yeah, it is interesting to think about AI, like where, what bucket do we put it in? Because we want to put it on a bucket if we know, like, is AI um, a app that I use? In this case, is AI kind of like an OS level pattern, similar to like an emoji or, um, yeah, an emoji? Or is it a file format? Like, is it similar to like an image? Like I insert an image in here and like I can specify some stuff about that image or like similar to a GIF, like I do a little search. Anyway, I yeah, this it, it's a cool, um, it feels like a product demo, like a kind of vision um, of what you could do if your any text box on your OS was powered by AI. The question is, would it know enough context? Because I, I think with all these things, like from like the uh, ChatGPT enterprise thing, um, TeamGPT is like social context, this easel thing is like you're importing this stuff from tabs. The question for all of these products is how are they going to attain the context that ChatGPT or Google doesn't have, right? So they're all about how can we get special information that Google does not currently have? And that would be my biggest question here is like how is the augment, augment.co importing your context? Exactly. Yeah. Where's the, because it's got your memory, right? They're saying anything in any context. Or heard. 
which is why, like, I guess technically on a screen, right? So it's kind of like rewind.ai uh, that, you know, we talked about on a previous episode yes. where essentially the, you know, the pixel is the new uh, API where it's yeah. just like anything that showed up on your screen or any words that have been said and transcribed, right? Like it's all there. Um, so imagining that, you know, not only is it a place to generate content, but it's the context is everything that's ever showed up on your computer screen or in your company's, you know, database essentially. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, this is exciting. Like this, that's weird. Like that's going to be weird. Like it's going to be a while before we even figure out how to use this. Right. Like for the masses, like changing people's workflow is going to happen way slower than the technology is actually going to advance here. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot as I go through these tools. And then I go back to doing some of the work that I was doing before in the old way i'm like oh wait a minute i could be doing this the new way but oh it's like it's more work there's like a bit of you know kind of like a you know time investment to learn the new way which will be more productive but do i have the time to invest in that now do i really know if it's going to work right and so you imagine on a broad scale there's a lot of people who are a lot less bullish on this technology than you know we are for example and so they're not willing to make that investment yet so they're they're waiting to kind of see that everybody else has done it. They're like, oh yeah, of course, like there's, you know, all the early adopters on the team have made this work for them. And now I'm falling behind. I have to invest and change my workflow. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the thing that slows things down, not the technology. Like the technology is going to work really, really soon. How are people going to learn to work with the technology? That's the question. How long is that? Yeah. And as people work with the technology, so let's say this specific thing. So there's like a couple hurdles to get over. One is this software is watching me all the time. Like there's entire <laughs> like, you know, O's and nineties movies that are dedicated to like somebody hacking into your computer and seeing your screen and moving your mouse around. This it's unsettling, is, right? Yeah, like and unsettling. asking something to do that 24 seven. This isn't like a breach. This is like, I'm asking you to constantly watch. <laughs> yeah. And so how do I become comfortable with that? I think that we have an equivalent, which is cameras. Like I have a webcam looking at me all the time. I am now at a comfort level where I don't really think that there's a camera looking at me. There's a light that turns on when it's active. There's some social cues. There's some software. There's definitely deep software on Mac OS that prevents things from accessing the camera without turning the light on. So there's all this like social, technical, societal um, infrastructure cues that help me be comfortable. And I am kind of comfortable with trying this out for a week, but I think for everybody to do this, it creates both a vector of attack. Like now I can tap into your context and see everything that you've been doing. Yeah. forget about looking at your tweets i can see you composing your tweets so yes uh, yeah. so there's definitely like a security question but then the question is like once you get comfortable with this um what are the behaviors like and i think one of them is in the moment as someone who is aware and comfortable with being observed i want to tell the observer something so this is how mm-hmm. we manually take notes today is like i'm looking at this website and I'm like oh yeah i should talk to al about this so copy this, paste it in somewhere. Now that I know somebody's being observed, and we kind of think you could think about this as a spirit or a deity or a god that has like an always-on observation, omni um, present, omniscient, um, omnipotent. I want to talk to. I want to say a little prayer, 
<laughs> and yeah. say, hey, like, uh, you know, remember this. Or like, when I'm talking to Al, do this. And so there becomes a kind of constant conversation you can have with the agent if you are aware they're observing. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing the output of them having observed things, which is that, like in any text box, I can be like, hey, like write that note that I remembered before. But what we don't see is the second order behavior, which is when I'm always being observed, now I can actually control what the focus is, what to remember, what's salient, when I want to remember that thing. And it becomes super powerful to think ahead, not only look behind yeah like the 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 information data capture and organization problem just got so much easier right like if 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 it can you know do that just as like you know one example of of a use case you're looking at a web page and you're thinking okay well like where should i put this thing like i don't know where i should put this thing and to be able to just say like save this for me somewhere where I'm going to be able to remember it later, yeah. right? <laughs> like basically right. figure and, out yeah. like the best way to structure, you know, my second brain uh, as it were. And, you know, when we come back to this, just, you know, you know what it is, right? Like, remember that thing that I was talking about that time and it had yeah, to do yeah, with that yeah. thing, right? Like, and then, then it's just done. And this is the person over your shoulder 24 seven helping you do all of the things that you need to do yeah and this is that like we're it, it's we're looking at a software that helps you do that today like this is crazy it, and how long is it going to take for people to get comfortable with that using it one and then two starting to use it in those really incredible ways like you're just mentioning right now yeah i'll pull up rewind ai um just i know we talked about it before but definitely feels like a similar similar offering and yep. I think that, yes, because there's like, I am aware I'm being captured. I can leverage that in the future. But what you're saying is that I can also both in the moment of capture and in the moment of retrieval, specify a, a fuzzy query, right? So I can be like, you know, uh, I'm looking at this beautiful thing. I'm like, you know, next time I'm, I'm making a gift, uh, remind me about that uh, crazy uh, machine is the message. Thing. yeah 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 like this would be could, a cool you, could you help me find that again do you have the exact link for it okay there's no link because they're dead but do you just have that image yeah right because like you like the pixel was there and yeah, so yeah. everything's remembered yeah. right and can you run a query on that like make it similar but like poster format and so but the i think the fuzzy bit is in the capture i'm like this would be a cool gift idea and in the retrieval i'm like hey so i need a gift for like tina and it's like, well, remember that gift idea you were talking about? So the ability for the agent to like take your uh, requests as a fuzzy thing, like in even in this thing, it feels like it's specifying. I don't know if we have a screenshot. We do somewhere here, but it feels like I'm specifying um, pretty like you know recap of last week's meeting with blah blah. blah. But like I, the fuzzier thing would be like, hey, what should I say to this person? And it's like, you should probably recap last meeting. Mm. So like the fuzziness on the capture would be like, hey, this is a thing to remember the next time I talk to Al. And then the, the retrieval is like, what's the thing that I should say to Al now that he's here? You know? yeah. I was working with the founder uh, on a product idea they were building that was essentially that second piece of relational context. And uh, he was looking at building relational context from chat history and email history saying, well, what is the best way for me to essentially influence the people around me? 
or to help me work better with the people that, you know, I'm talking to. Um, so, you know, it, I've got a friend, so you could feed it a short, you know, chat history and then say, what's really going on here? Oh, it looks like this person's visiting town. They're trying to figure out, you know, when to meet up. And this is, you know, the sort of like open thread. It's like, okay, could you help close that thread? It seems like this person wants this from this. What would be the best way for them to, you know, speak to this person to get them to do that, right? So there's this whole layer of um, essentially like social interaction where we're going to be like puppeted by AI, you know, doing the things that AI is telling us to do to other people that are being told by their AIs are going to work for us, right? Like that's, imagine us like the Zoom call, right? There's right now, there's a chat along the side that shows you everything that's been happening. What about when there's, you know, real-time analytics showing you that, hey, you've been talking for three quarters of this meeting, right? Um, the sentiment, the user sentiment from anybody else is low. Um, you've been using a lot of negative words. Maybe you should, you know, lean off on that a little bit. First, giving you that real-time feedback. Second, starting to give you suggestions of what to do. Hey, you're getting, you've, you have only 14 minutes left on the podcast. You guys should try to get through the next two links. And then it's like, oh, okay, well now we try to get through the next two links, right? It's like, a, we're, we're totally just being played by the AI at that point in time. Like, what is that? That's crazy. Yeah. And then are you even necessary in the loop? Like I think about um, yes. corporations as a nexus of contracts. That's my finance professor saying that, which is like, you know, Apple is essentially their agreements with their suppliers and their consumers. And, and it, it is a place for contracts to exist. That is like the legal and financial entity that's there. And perhaps in the future, like all I am is I'm kind of like an avatar as a, of a nexus of conversations that are happening, whether I'm asking people things or they're asking me things. And it kind of happens in the side channel. And I'm, I'm devoting the small amount of my communications to like actual uh, human conversations with other people and like the paperwork is getting figured out uh, beside me, which is not dissimilar from how the brain works, right? Like, I mean, your focus is not all the things that are going on in your brain. Uh, and I wonder if like that will be true of conversations. Like there's kind of 90% of the conversations I'm having, I am not at the helm <laughs> and the agent is making my best uh, decisions for me and I can like revisit and evaluate and audit those things but yeah it's a crazy future it seems like people want that in some contexts where you know, it's could you just rewrite respond to this email for me or respond to this chat you know as if it were my voice like people are kind of ready for that people seem to get excited about that use case mm -hmm. uh, as long as they can edit it a little bit i think it'll be like interesting the other way around where you know it's it's telling you how to respond um, not just in text, but like with your actual voice, where now it's not just, you know, uh, you okayed a message, it suggested a message, and then you, like, it came from your mouth, right? Like, you became, you know, the the output uh, for this uh, but yeah. AI's ideas, essentially, rather than the AI's ideas were based on, yeah. Anyway, there's something weird there. Okay, so on this trend, so check out the next link, so Kepler. This is, I, I love this kind of thing. This is exciting. So <laughs> the idea of doing advertising, we've been looking at advertising and content and how, you know, it's, we're going to have a tsunami 
of content and advertising and it's going to be you know specific right so all of these tools are generating tons of stuff so you go into jasper ai and you can you know make all this so there's like all these different tools that essentially do generative advertising um or you know create content for you so then you get all this content you're like great okay now i can post all my content on my regular channels and then see what works right, right? Well, what if we go one step further than that and put more of the workflow into the AI? Well, let's generate all the stuff, simulate what's going to work, and then just post that, right? So that your your hit rate goes up higher. So they're you know sort of providing this simulation of the generated content rather than actually testing the generated content mm -hmm. uh, on your audience. And so you say, well, who's my audience, and and what what's going to work with them on each one of these? you know, sort of features of this thing. And then you can learn how to talk about it and figure out what's going to work, theoretically. I love this concept. I think it's amazing. And so it's essentially training a bunch of AI agents to look at your ads and figure out if they're going to click on them or not, right? Like, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, how awesome is that? It's so crazy. Yeah. 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 Because I think I think that AI is on both sides of this in the inevitable future, which is like you have an advertiser like testing stuff, and then you're putting it out there, and like my agent is like out there looking and evaluating, like is this actually a thing? So it becomes kind of an arms war um, for oh, companies that are trying to like trick you, but it becomes like a, a really a boon to relevance for companies that have like an authentic product um, that you actually would would want. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because the bonus is also stuff will look better than the crappy ads of of the early uh, aughts, noughts. Yeah. yeah, our world gets a little a little less janky uh, for sure. Okay, so if if you know if that's not a indicator that we're living in a simulation, it's like well now we have simulated customers, right? Yeah. So then hit this next one, Doppler. Okay. Or, sorry, Doppel. Doppel.ai. Great name. You can kind of guess what's going on here. Hi, nice to meet me. <laughs> the most accurate AI simulation of you built for privacy and data security. So the video doesn't really tell us much. It's just a bunch of clips of, you know, essentially uh, interesting looking millennial people um, in front <laughs> of computers doing cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what does it really do? it's not really clear, but you know, the high level, you know, idea here of it remembers everything. It was there. Um, it's again, this sort of version of you sitting on your shoulder, watching all of the stuff and helping you be, you know, yourself. It's a voice inside your head, outside of your head, right? That's also you and can go do stuff for you, make stuff for you, all of the things, right? So this super generic um, promise, will it work in this context? Like, does that even make sense? Like, what am I describing here, right? This is kind of like, just like an AI crazy superpower, um, much like Rewind and, uh, sorry, what were we were looking at earlier? I forget the name of the product already, Augment. Um, but there's something there's a promise here that people are interested in, right? And I like these Doppel guys, what, how they figure it out is like, no, we're, we're building another version of you. And the way that they present the promise, um, I find really interesting.
I mean, to me, it does read like a Black Mirror episode, and it is telling that like each of these websites we're looking at, I feel like could be like a a fourth year design project. <laughs> it's like, you know, is it there though? Like, is it really there? And so it is like that moment where like you can have a crazy idea, you can have like a like tech demo and like a cool website and raise some money against it. And so we will see how all this stuff plays out. But yeah, the version of you makes sense. Like, yeah, makes sense to have like a place where we're storing our memories. I, th I think all of these companies are still dealing with how do we get very personal context in a way that people feel comfortable and actually value someone, something, looking at what they're doing rather than seeing it as a necessary evil I do think today, the way it's framed, um, because of the business model, is that tracking is bad. Ads are bad. People looking at the behavior I'm doing in my Chrome browser or like on Facebook or my messages, obviously, is bad because I don't want people looking at that stuff. My email, um, I want that to be private. The, the flip here is, oh, I can get an agent to look out for me on my behalf. And I, if I give them more context and information and more ability to observe, it's gonna get smarter and more useful for me and make me feel better. I think that's kind of the world we need to move to where it's like, you know, tracking does not mean other people tracking you. It means you tracking yourself and having control and agency on like how that, that context is used and being able to bring that context to different places rather than have those places be where you store the context. But inevitably, I think the competition is over where the context is stored. Is it ChatGPT? Is it in your work thing? Is it in this crazy cool millennial um, whatever it is? Um, yeah, but it's that's the future. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as the framing, right? And, you know, features tell, benefits sell. It, framing it as hey this thing can do all this stuff for you okay so now i'm interested we have to track everything that goes on your computer screen and everything you do and everything you say mm, i don't know this is like a little bit less exciting but it can help you do all this stuff uh, okay but i want all that stuff done right so you, like there's a huge it, like with any you know technology there's gonna be that resistance where people are scared people are feeling like no i don't want to do that until They've seen it work for a few other people and uh, they're talking about how great it's been for them. And then we're going to see more and more people see that it's uh, like, okay, well, if, if, whoever, if so-and-so did it, well, if Pat already did it and he had success, then, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. And then you try it out. And then once you feel the benefits, if they're real, we're going to stick with it. There's one last, you know, sort of component here of, you know, sort of, well, two last components. Um, two ideas I wanted to share. One was, yes, we're creating these, like, you know, with medical data, this is a big problem, right? You're creating these like nuclear silos of, I forget what the term they use is essentially these like, um, they call them nuclear silos. They call it these like really dangerous stockpiles of information that are just a huge target because of the amount of value that's inside of those databases essentially so each one of these is going to be the same thing there's so much data in there it's way worse than if 
you know, one of your accounts got hacked, right? right? This is like every single one of your accounts and yeah, just got hacked. Lost, I believe is the, right? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Um, but, you know, every single one of your accounts just got hacked and the camera that was on your life for the last X number of months or years also got hacked. And now just all, all of that just got public. And yeah, of course, there's way too much for one person to do, but then you're going to have all these AIs like just analyzing that stuff or asking those AIs, you know, for the relevant information because they know where it all is, right? You know, it's really easy. Okay, you just pull up those bank passwords, et cetera, right? Like there's just, we don't even know all of the malicious use cases. If we set our minds to it, I'm sure, you know, we could figure out some pretty nasty stuff and some ways to get at some really, really valuable information. The second thing is, I remember people talking about the, remember when this like, we're all living in a simulation conversation came up like four or five years ago, maybe it was longer than that, I can't remember. And it got really popular and everyone was like, we're living in a simulation. And there was a question about like, well, why would, why would someone want to build all these simulations? And it's like, well, we're talking about it right now. Right? Like the, the use cases are actually all around us as soon as you start to look. And I didn't used to get it, but it totally makes sense now. Like this is like, of course you would want simulated customers to see if your thing is gonna work before it actually works. Of course you would want a simulated version of yourself to help think through some of these things, remember stuff, uh, help you make decisions, et cetera. Yeah, I think um, it's inevitable. And I think what we're talking about is like in a productivity context, um, how is it like uh, perhaps like more efficient for me to do these things or like I can be like more productive or, um, but I think there's like another element and I, this is sort of like the, the thing I'd like to share here is in terms of the universes you can create um, so for me, uh, uh, we got back from Florida and here I'll share this. And so we went on the galactic, uh, star cruiser, which is like an immersive hotel and that had like this bridge and like you look out and there's like space going on. And basically over the course of three days, you're going through these, uh, stories, uh, you can choose a character to follow. Um, so, uh, you can meet characters like Chewbacca and you can do things like lightsaber training and everybody is like <laughs> with um you know everybody's in costume and uh you know we go down to the planet you can build some droids so they have like yes little, like droid thing going on and uh in each of these cases there's like this blend of technology and immersion so this is like <laughs> and so you're basically shooting these things like you know practicing your moves um, and, <laughs> and then you kind of eat this space food that you get from the cafeteria. Oh my God. It's so great. Um, and it's all kind of like built through the app. There is an app and there's your magic band. And so this magic band is kind of like your personal identity and you're moving through these things and you tap it to complete quests and it's all being logged together. But ultimately like you are participating in this simulated universe. And so there is this other end to agents which is like, there's get really efficient and take care of the things I don't want to deal with. But then there's like get deeper into the universes that I care about. Mm. So a couple other things 
just to note about this stuff is um, we played in a lot of arcades and like I hadn't been in an arcade in a, in a long time. So, you know, there's a bunch of normal machines, uh, but there was also this like VR experience, which is an old, like it's probably a couple years old of like going on a roller coaster. And even at Disney, all the roller coasters were simulated. And so like this simulated piece allows you to build out these experiences without having to invest in a lot of like physical infrastructure. And then the hotel itself was physical infrastructure and like um, actors and like consoles. And I do wonder like how much of this arcade universe hopping experience stuff will be replicated in a digital way so that people don't have to like go to Florida to experience these universes and that these agents actually become kind of like a closer part of our lives giving us little missions or telling us little stories like every day or every week. Um, but it was like a really cool experience to see if you just like invested, here's some bunk beds. If you invested like just a lot in, um, oops, in, in just like the, the build out of the um, space, how could you create like the most in the universe version? And then like through VR, AR, or like just mobile uh, apps, how could you bring that back to to your home? So anyway, they even designed the remote control. I love it. It's so great. Did they just put a sticker on like a Samsung one, or is it? I don't know, but this these are like actually like I. It's a very fine finish, so it was done at a, like a manufacturing quality. Yeah. Legit. That's awesome. And it's uh, oh, I guess the notable bit is it's all closing down because it's not making enough money for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't work, failed so, experiment. Uh, financially it didn't work, but um, the universe uh, is something we'll remember forever. Well, I wonder if it's, you know, if it was that product and that experience or this type of experience, you know, that doesn't work. And, you know, is it, you know, they, it was like, hey, movies don't work. We're not gonna have movies anymore versus no, this movie wasn't a hit, you know? Yeah, and I think it is like a balance of cost versus um, versus experience. Like, how could you get the same type of experience with a much lower cost? And that's what, I mean, mm. movies are a much cheaper version of a theater, and they've been reduced down to this, you know, and then they can be shipped around the world, and there's theaters that have been built for this stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I do wonder how can you get that same level of experience? And I, I especially the arcade, like, how can you build an arcade that has like the level of like diversity of experiences around you and you're in there with other people at the same time. So it's a social experience, but you don't have to like build out this metal and glass and like all this stuff It's just all in your headset. So, um, so that's the, that's the visual layer. And then you add in agents where you're kind of like continuing the story and you're having conversations and they're like evolving that universe um, while you're outside of this full immersive experience. Um, yeah, and I, I think that the question is, there's the productivity side, I don't want to deal with this stuff, but how do agents and AI and, you know, virtual or augmented reality, storytelling, immersive experiences, how do those really expand the universes that you do want to hang out in? I remember when, I, remember, I think it's Ray Kurzweil, um, he was talking about, it was, this is like, mid 2000s like 2006 or something like that and he was talking about how 
the future was going to be so crazy different. Ray Kurzweil is like, as a futurist, right? Like he's on it. Like he knows what's coming next. I don't know how he knows, but he knows, right? Like his prediction rate on the future is so high. And one of the things he called out was, we're not going to travel anymore. We're just going to have virtual travel experiences, right? And he, he's, he was saying, you're talking about the details of what he was talking about, which is how do you bring all of these things closer to you um, and make them more, uh, well, essentially less real, but more experienceable, right? Uh, so it's, it's, yes, it is not an authentic experience, but it's an experience you can have today, as opposed to, you know, maybe you can do this, you know, once a year, right? Yeah. Um, and that you won't waste time, like dragging your body all around the world, because it's just not worth it, you know, in terms of like the marginal experience difference. It's like, well, are you going to pay that much more for this level of experience? Of course, there's always going to be someone who does it but it's going to become much less of a thing um, to your point. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, Rick Kurzweil saw it ages ago and we're on our way. Yeah. Yeah. And it is happening to an extent with movies and shows is like, I go to this place, I participate, but then the travel bit, I think that he's talking about is you interact. Like, how, like the thing about travel is the people that you go to and like the things you do there. And how can you now have a two way conversation with these these universes that have been created by Star Wars or um, Harry Potter or what what have you, how can you bring them into your home? We're seeing starting points with uh, Pokemon Go or like you know Nintendo AR experiences, I suppose. But then when those characters have conversations with you, like that's another agent-based conversation. Is like I chat with Mario all the time we talk about X, Y, and Z. Like, what does that look like? And how does that prepare me for like that in-person experience when I finally do go to Mario Land or I go to see the Mario movie? Like, is there a different level to that experience for me? Anyway, super interesting to think about both ends of the spectrum, both efficiency and then like, you know, storytelling immersion. You've got a lot of tabs. Did you want to talk about some other stuff today? No, no, no. Uh, that's, that's all the tabs. That's all. Oh, that's all the tabs. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, I will uh, reemphasize uh, a call for, for participants. Um, if there's a topic you want to bring, uh, some cool stuff you've seen, reach out and uh, maybe we can arrange chat. Thanks for the chat today, Patrick. Good one. Weird stuff, as always. Um, excited to continue to talk about this stuff and see what's happening next. Till next time. Bye-bye-bye.